Hello. You're listening to Talcut from the Satori Lab, the podcast for people working to create excellent public services. I'm Ben Proctor. Here at the Satori Lab, we're running a new program in partnership with the Chartered Institute of Housing, Cymru. It's called Service Design and Practice. I'm not really involved in the delivery of this project, but I am quite excited about it. It's a very different way to think about embedding service design approaches in an organisation. I thought you might be interested too, so I sat down with the people who were really involved in delivering it to find out more. I started off by asking them to introduce themselves. Hi, so I'm Manus Finnamore and I'm a self-employed leadership and change culture person. So my focus is working with organisations, leaders, middle managers, anybody really who's keen to maximise the performance of people um, and engage people in changing and developing. And Jo? Uh, I'm Jo Carter. Uh, I'm part of Satori Lab. Okay. And the, this uh, this programme, is it a programme? Is it a project? What are you calling it? Uh, it's a service? A, we're calling it a programme. Okay. Yes. Mm. It's called uh, Service Design in Practice. Um, and the uh, practice bit, I think, is quite important. It's uh, designed to help people who are already in working roles in roles that require you to think about and design a service um, to kind of embrace design thinking and start using it straight away okay let's let's take a step back so you you keep using design thinking and also service design like we know what they mean <laughs> not everybody knows what they mean so just c- can you briefly explain what do you mean by service design and design thinking? Okay. Uh, service design is design services. <laughs> <laughs> um, using design thinking. Uh, and what I mean by that, design thinking is a kind of uh, a framework within which you uh, go through a number of steps to firstly understand the whole picture. Um, and a lot of that will it involves developing empathy for the the users of your service or thing that you're designing um, then kind of refocusing what what the problem is you're looking at um, then developing some ideas and testing those ideas with ideally with your users again um, it's very iterative which means you go back and revisit things um, frequently um, and you test things frequently with your users and so how uh, for both of you really I guess uh, so how is that different to like people have been running public services for a long time so how is this service design approach different to the way people might traditionally so uh, in my experience um, the traditional approach to developing a service is you you arrive in a department there's a service already running there usually um, and uh, what happens is a new policy or uh, a bit of case law or something happens, so the the service is amended slightly in order to respond to that policy or new thinking or whatever, and it kind of the service is developed in layer upon layer upon layer, um, and before you know it, you've got a very complex web of things that the user can't or the user might find difficult to navigate. Um, so it's trying to understand all the different perspectives and design things that work for 
all the different participants in that system. Yeah, and I suppose for me, the difference is that all too often we're in a very high-pressured world where we have to fix things and fix things fast. And so it means that when we're approaching a challenge, we already kind of know the outcome we're going to design. And so we approach it in a very planned way of around a project or an improvement plan or some sort of strategic plan, which has a whole set of assumptions that we're not in the habit of testing, which actually can make things go completely pear-shaped really because we spend a fortune on transformational change, investing in restrictures, but we haven't actually tested what, what we're designing is actually going to fulfil a purpose in the way that we want it to or need it to. It's much, much more freeing, but it's also considerably scarier because you kind of don't know what good's going to look like and you can't plan for it and you have to be much more um, capable of embracing all the ambiguity and the unknowns. And often in organisations there's a pressure to deliver and deliver very quickly with a very clear outcome. I think design thinking allows you to have that space to really think and explore all those assumptions and not waste lots and lots of money on things that then turn out to be fads that go out of fashion as soon as they've been delivered or designed. It allows you to kind of be, as Joe says, iterative, but going back and really questioning why are we doing this? What's the driving force? Okay, so design thinking, a better way of designing services. Um, what What is... What's led to this program? Why, why, why is this program the right thing to do? And, and where are you with this program? Uh, so I think the initial seed for <clears throat> the idea of this program was probably planted oh, about two years ago when I went to Service Design in Government Conference which uh, I would highly recommend. You really like Service Design. I right? do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when I was there, uh, I noticed that people were talking about how do we develop the service design as the way services are designed, because it kind of makes sense. What's the, what's the kind of quicker, more effective way to, to get service design in, in the place where it's needed? Um, and the, the few conversations I had made me come to the conclusion that this kind of thing was what what was needed. Mellis had facilitated uh, the Frontline Futures um, together with um, CIH Cymru, Chartered Institute of Housing Cymru. Um, and Frontline Futures? Uh, would you like so to very go? quickly, it's <coughs> a programme that was designed, a practice-based programme which was designed for frontline staff and first-line managers to develop a um, change challenge, real change challenge, which was person-centred about their services, and equipping them with the skills and the knowledge and uh, the confidence to go back into their organisations and deliver change for real. Our conversations developed around how might we create something that um, teaches people the service design tools and techniques, but also goes hand in hand with developing them as people and building resilience when things get hard back in the office and um, kind of all, all the stuff Mellis is really good at. <laughs> How can we put the, the two together? 
to create something which is quite unique. I don't know that anybody else is approaching it in this way. Okay, and Melis, can you briefly describe what, so what, is, what is the programme? Right, so the programme, um, the, the kind of the makeup of the programme is there's uh, boot camps followed by full day boot camps, which are kind of the skill based element, followed by half day w workshops where people get to practice and apply things um, and, and test their learning back in the workplace. It spreads over about six, seven months. There's a pre-course bit because what we've learnt is about, um, this is about people realising they're going on a developmental journey and therefore are coming prepared to stretch themselves, be comfortable with not knowing how things are going to pan out, what's going to be the learning curve. We look for internal sponsors to support them so that whatever change challenge or activity or service design they do gets, um, gets translated into some sort of reality. Uh, back in the workplace and that they get support for that. So we have four elements and Joe's better at talking about the, the service design and content but basically each of the, the elements are made to be as experiential and exploratory and real feeling for people as possible. So it's quite prickly. Um, for me the service design has two bits which is the kind of the theoretical tools and the other bit which is possibly the, the harder bit for many people is the mindset shift and the mindset shift is very very important to the program and it's going to be the bit I think people are going to need a lot of coaching and support to help them realize so alongside the, the kind of the taught element of the program we're building a, a, a learning community on Basecamp we're piloting that we're going to use video log reflections we're going to use one-on-one -on -one coaching we're going to use sort of group or peer coaching and depending on what comes out, we will try and bespoke it and tailor it to different people's needs as they go on their learning journeys. And, uh, and so where are you now with the programme? So we have uh, just done the first boot camp. Uh, we've got workshop one coming up next week. Uh, so we have met everyone and everyone's met each other for the first time and, and who are who is everybody like uh, where have they come from how many of them are there well for this cohort we have partnered with the chartered institute of housing cymru so uh of the 13 participants uh 12 are from uh social housing sector um and one from ofsted um uh i would say uh having a more diverse group is probably better um, and that's what we're going to aim for in, in the long run. So in Satori Lab, and it's not exclusive to us, but we, we, kind of, we use this rapid evaluation technique of plus delta, so the things that are going well, the things that you would do differently. So let's do a quick plus delta at this early stage. So um, what are the, a couple of things that are going well and a couple of things that already you're going to do differently in the next time round? Uh, I would say... Uh, one of the things that I've found valuable and the participants have found valuable is meeting people one-on-one -on -one before the programme starts. Um, I think that's helped them to understand uh, what we expect of them and it's helped me understand who we've got in the room before we start. So it meant that on the first boot camp we, we hit the ground running um, and it also meant we, we sent them some... Uh, stuff to read beforehand and some uh, learning uh, some lear learning styles questionnaires um, which helped 
uh, well, maybe you can explain a bit more why we did that. Um, but I think that's helped us get a better picture of who we've got and and for people to be a bit more self-aware um, of their own personal learning so that learning styles. So I think what's good is everybody's you know met each other and they've already started to have a deep immersement in the first phase of service design. And I think the methodologies we've used have been fun but uh, exposing so they've, they've already started to realise some of the habits that they've got that might not be so helpful. Um, so from that front, not a huge amount I'd change on the first bit. Uh, I think maybe I slightly underestimated people's uh, technical capabilities to use Basecamp. So we're using Basecamp as a, a way to put all the documentation in one place and communicate and keep everything together. So Basecamp is? Oh, sorry. Uh, it's, a, it's actually a project management tool um, that we use for most of our projects that we, we work on. Um, so it's a bit of an experiment to use uh, Basecamp for this kind of purpose and um, for a learning group. Um, but it seemed to have all the ingredients that we needed, um, a way to communicate, um, like, a, like an instant messaging thing, um, a place to keep documents um, and a place to have like a message board. Um, and we can also put the schedule of the dates of all the events so, and people can just click on there and it automatically goes into their diary, um, which is quite nifty. But um, uh, I'm not sure people are feeling uh, comfortable enough yet with using that platform and I think that has resulted in some uh, kind of reluctance in, in using it. So we can remedy that by giving them some tasks to do on Basecamp at the <laughs> workshop. But we may change it so that we do that a bit earlier on next time. Um, there, there were probably lots of little things that we would change, mm. but nothing, n nothing huge yet. Uh, there, there's one challenge which we still haven't worked out, which I think is about how much information do you provide. So we tried bite-sized learning little um, video clips and various things that people had in advance. Um, it's always difficult because everybody's got different learning styles, so you're trying to cater for all types in the programme. We have had some feedback that somebody wants kind of um, maybe some sort of workbook of um, information or kind of high points. Um, my experience of develop, developing those and delivering them is that quite often people never use them. So it's kind of, it's, again, I think it's going to be a bit of a journey of working with this group to see if we can design something that is meaningful and um, is useful to them, but, and maybe they help us design it, um, rather than we write a load of workbooks with loads of paper in it, which actually nobody then looks at. So, mm. so I think the reflection, and we're doing this video log reflection, I'm going to do the first one, which is going to be interesting. Um, once we load that, we're going to be asking them to do theirs. I think that might be quite revealing, you know, who does it, who does it first, um, and what sort of information and feedback we can start to see from that. Hopefully we'll start to see what are people embracing in terms of the service design um, programme and what are the things that people are struggling with. And then we can refine the programme as we go along to kind of adapt it to make sure that we're not missing some of the critical learning points um, and, and supporting that journey.
I am a little concerned about making sure that we get the neuroscience stuff right so we don't cause people so much anxiety that they're not able to learn because they're worried about getting things right. So again, we've got to make it safe for them to have fun with it and play with the programme and, and not worry too much. We are, we are doing two things. We're bringing the, they're bringing their own work-based challenges, which we're only just starting to help them explore what is the challenge, not just what's the problem we're going to fix, but really digging down to the root cause. I'm sure Joe will be happy. I'm getting the, the phraseology right eventually. <laughs> but I think as well, for me, there's something about how are we going to make sure that, um, that they learn the process. So we've come up with... We're going to be doing a service design methodology all the way through the programme on GP services, something that's common to everybody that could have may, very many different iterations and different kind of opportunities to design services differently. Um, and that's going to be our test ground, really. So they do something specific to their own organisation, but something then more general, which will be a journey of understanding service design methodology for something that I think all of us recognise GP services are up against the wall so maybe this will be a great way to innovate and do things differently okay and uh where next where what's the i guess what's next after this first cohort and then where do you want to be where what's the goal <laughs> where are you going to be in well, five years time <laughs> what i would say is what would you have a postcard from the future <laughs> well we've already set uh the date for the second cohort 7th of october i think it starts um, so if people are interested in this, they can sign up now, can they? They can. They can register interest online and we can put a link at the end of the podcast somehow, I guess. I, I imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so we, we're going to take the learning from, from the first one and, and apply that uh, for the second one. So um, it will be a refined version of what we're doing this time around. I think what we've gone for here is a whole scale product, which is um, quite um, immersive and quite, it, it, which will work for some people and I think it can be extremely transformational for organisations. I think we've both got a passion for making sure that service design for all public services is better um, and even maybe beyond you know, public services, third sector, whatever. So our, our aspiration is that this becomes a programme which creates collaboration, creates kind of much more human-centred design which fits within the Welsh kind of legal context, the Wellbeing Act and co-production. But I also think there's a potential to do different types of um, taster or experiential um, sessions or which we've only just started to explore. So one of the issues for us that's been quite interesting on the programme straight away, some of the senior leaders are like saying, oh, this is interesting, they come back into the workplace, oh my God, what have you done to our staff? <laughs> but they're actually going, but it's exciting, but actually we don't know necessarily what they're doing. So we've already thought that maybe we will bring back a sponsor group together to really look at the impact that's happening in the organisation and then look at how we can support the sponsors to sustain some sort of long-term positive impact, especially where people are sending several people on the programme. But I think you could talk about masterclasses, activity-based, you could talk about stuff for more senior leaders who are looking at trying to shift the culture. If it doesn't make a difference, then what's the point of doing it? So we'll have to measure the impact and we're hoping the video logs will, will actually be really helpful in showing where people were at the start and then when they are at the end. 
So different ways of measuring impact, I guess, um, and then refining it into different offerings for different audiences, potentially. The, the other thing is, this programme is available for people to sign up individually. Um, I, I could see it working within an organisation as well. Yeah, that would be particularly powerful where an organisation maybe is recognising that they've become a habit of, maybe they've done a lot of um, vanguard or systems thinking, so they're very good at stripping out process and improving procedure, but what they're starting to realise is um, they've got too much process and procedure and it's not about the people that they're trying to serve and they've lost people's voices maybe. So sometimes, I, you know, quite often when I go into organisations, there'll be procedures that actually when you think about it, why do we need them? You know, we're assuming everybody's going to get it wrong. The culture is very parental. Um, so for organisations who are trying to shift away from very central control, you know, structures where the people follow the rules, to, to environments where they're looking for more innovation, more discretion at the front line, then I think, you know, they will need to redesign the way in which they deliver their services. Um, and not just improve what they've always done or what they've got. Where we've got complexity, where we're trying to work with complex communities or difficult, challenging um, innovation opportunities, we, we can't do that from our traditional mindset. We can't just test theory. We've got to come up with new ways of thinking. People just like to test their theories rather than being really genuinely open to listening and having a dialogue with people as, as adult equals. I think we're all too often providing advice or giving direction or providing instruction and then wonder why people don't use our services. People have a big temptation to want to jump straight onto the solution before they've really explored um, the need for the... <laughs> Anything at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am not totally unbiased, but I, I really am very excited about this program. I'm not involved in any way in this program, other than sitting on the sidelines going, yes, that looks amazing. And I, 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 I'm, I'm really excited by it. I think it, it's a really uh, interesting, sensible, evidence-based approach to driving real change in organisations. So, um, and I hope that maybe we can do another of these in a few months' time and, and, and see how you're getting on. Yeah, um, So, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to Talcott from the Satori Lab. In this edition, Joe Carter from the Satori Lab and Melis Finnamore were talking to me, Ben Proctor, about service design and practice. To find out more about service design and practice, visit thesatorilab.com slash service design and practice. Music was rendered by Prism, used under a Creative Commons license. A big thank you to everybody who shares their work under open licenses. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast, design thinking, public services, or anything else at all. Talk to us on Twitter at the Satori Lab, or visit thesatorilab.com to see all of the many, many, many ways there are of getting in touch with us. 